0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. So we left last week with. Uh... Uh, kind of a suspense, kind of a hanger, right? Romans chapter 7 in verse 24 says, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? This whole thought of, man, I'm in trouble because what I want to do, I don't do, but what I don't want to do, I do do. And yet I feel like I have no ability to do right because my body wants to do wrong. And so it's this fight. And matter of fact, the scripture says that it is a raging war inside of us. And so the question is, is that all there is? Is that where we're condemned to be? Are we just, are we just condemned to just live a life doing the best we can fighting this fight? I want to tell you that chapter eight, verse one, I mentioned it last week in here, but chapter eight, verse one gives us the hope and the direction that we need with that suspenseful question of, Is that all there is to life? Just this wrestling. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? No condemnation. Now, what does that mean? That means if you are in Christ Jesus, you have been born again. That means that you have been changed fundamentally in relationship to God. So you have been made a child of God. And as a child of God... You have the relationship with him that is eternal. Now, because there's no condemnation, that also means that you have been set free from the law of sin and death. And in verse 3, he says, What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sinful offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So in other words, if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you have been redeemed. Redeemed means you've been purchased or bought back. You've been rescued. You've been pulled out of the lostness that is the result of sin. And you've been brought into his family. And it's been done by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that. And I don't want you to wait till the end of the sermon to do it. I want you to do it right now. And I say that because when I was 15 years old, I sat in a stadium in Pensacola, Woodham High School Stadium, and there was a guy preaching. It was a, a church event. A bunch of churches got together. And as the guy was preaching on this night, I remember he had just started and God was speaking to me saying, Jeff, you need to be born again. And my answer was, but I'm a pretty good person. And I've been all, to church all my life. And literally, I was born on the front row of a church. I mean, it's like born, boom, done, right? I'm All right, you know, Never done all the bad stuff and all... But God said, Jeff, you need to be born again. You in your mind are righteous, but you're not. You think that you're better than you really are. And in that moment, I had this, it wasn't a vision, but it was this this thought of, what if I had waited till the invitation, the end of the service to trust in Christ? And what if I died, though, between now and then? What would that be like? I'd be standing before God going, but I was gonna. And I realized that, you know, God knows the heart, but in that moment, I don't have any idea what the guy preached. All I knew is God was speaking to me, and I needed to do it then. So right now, if you're here today, if you're watching by TV or by Facebook, and you don't know Jesus Christ, if God is speaking to you, I want to invite you to trust in him. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I admit it. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm lost. And I know that my sin condemns me to an eternity separated from you. Not because you don't love me, but because my sin deserves a just punishment. But I believe that Jesus came and died and was buried and then rose again on the third day. I believe that. And I invite you into my life. And I ask you to save me in Jesus' name. If your heart has that prayer, the Bible tells us that you are born again. You are into a relationship with God. And what God has started, no one can stop. It's a good thing. If you've done that at the end of the service, I want you to let me know. But if you are born again, you are not condemned. In fact, you are not only not condemned, but you are set free from the condemnation of sin, from the law of sin, and your flesh does not have to do what only the flesh wants. There is a way for you to live a holy, righteous life. And here's how it is. Let's go to verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now, if the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace, the mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. What the scripture is teaching us here in Romans chapter 8 is that we have a choice to make. To live by the flesh or to live by the spirit. To have a mind controlled by the flesh or to have a mind controlled by the spirit. So like we said, there are three parts to a human. You've got the body, you've got the mind, and you've got the soul. The soul is redeemed. You're standing in Christ's when you know Christ is secure. The flesh is unredeemed. The flesh is sinful. The flesh is, is like a wild dog in some ways. It just does whatever it wants to do. But what's standing between the holy and the unholy is between your ears. And it's really not just your brain. It's really more than just that. It's, it's the seat of your emotions. It's, it's the thinking that goes on inside of a person. In fact, the way you think determines what you believe. So you could say it this way faith is belief is the thinking inside of you. Now, honestly, I've never thought of it that way before, but as you think, so are you. Psalm 23, seven says, as a man or Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you think determines who you are, because who you are is a product of what you believe. Turn to the person next to you and say, does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. Your thinking is so important to who you are. It is so important to your holiness. It is so important to uh, to taming the flesh that that is also the most difficult battlefield that you will face. Wouldn't you agree that the hardest part of your life is dealing with your own mind, dealing with your own thinking? Because your thinking wants to go in all kinds of different ways and because everything in the world is aimed at Changing your mind about what you believe—it's a battle. It absolutely is a battle. So, what you think is what you believe, and what you believe is what you is is the the evidence or or is the uh, the nature of your faith, right? So, let me show a few other passages for you. Then we're going to jump into this. Uh, in First Corinthians, chapter two. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 6, I won't read the whole thing, but, but it's, this, it's this idea of spiritual wisdom, this, 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 this um, paradox between having earthly wisdom and spiritual wisdom, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared. So on earth we have, we have just what we see physically, but God has done something in the supernatural. God has done something spiritual that we are able to see if we have God's wisdom, And so the very last verse there says, but we have the mind of Christ, a mind controlled by the Spirit. Romans chapter 12, turn there. It's going to go back to the left in your Bibles. One book. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind. So do not conform. I've used this illustration before. But I'm going to share it again because it fits so well. I was in Memphis, Tennessee visiting a guy at at some point. He owned a couple of businesses. And one of his businesses was to create the signs that you see out on the the highway. The signs for McDonald's and Burger King. And as he was walking me through his, his, his factory. What he showed me was that the way these signs are made. Is there's a flat piece of plastic that they put over a mold. And then they apply heat and suction. And the heat and suction sucks the plastic down into the mold. And when it does that, the plastic conforms to the mold that they're trying to make it into. And instantly I thought, that's what it means. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern of the world. There's a mold that the world wants you to be in. And it's not a mold that is Christ-like and godly. It's a mold that is selfish because it's built ultimately on... You. What makes you happy? What what do you want to do? And so the pattern of this world, the, the, the it, we, we get sucked into it when our minds are controlled by the world. But the scripture says, but be transformed. Now that word transformed actually is a word that you would use when you're discussing a, a butterfly coming from a caterpillar. It's a metamorphosis. It's a complete change from one thing to something totally different. A butterfly and a caterpillar look nothing alike. Nothing at all. Matter of fact, you would not know that one came from the other if you didn't know that one came from the other. Agreed? But what happens is that caterpillar somehow goes into a cocoon and it's like ba ding ba ding and boom, it's a, I mean, it's it's really something more than that, but. I don't I've never been in a cocoon. I don't know. I just know goes in a fuzzy thing, comes out a beautiful thing. That's all I know, right? That means that is it's transformed. How are you transformed as opposed to conformed? Now listen. Notice the notice the difference here. Conform means there's a pattern that you're sucked into. And so you just look like what is there and it's and it's really a stretching of who you are and it's a it's a weakening of who you are because when When something is heated and stretched, it actually just gets thinner, right? Instead of being conformed, instead, you are totally transformed. Something brand new. So you're not looking like a mold of something on earth. You're being made brand new. By the way, if you've heard the phrase, born again, that's what it means. If you've heard the scripture that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, that's what it means. You are transformed, how? By the renewing of your heart mind. What's right here makes all the difference in the world. How you think matters. So let's go to another one in Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, we're commanded to to live and to think a certain way. Man, this new, I I keep blaming on the new Bible, but really these pages are sticking. Colossians chapter three tells us this in verse two. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now notice the verbiage here. Set your minds. That is not accidental. That's not, oh, I just don't know how I wound up here. It is an intentional, I am choosing to set my mind on a certain course, in a certain direction, on certain things. Let me give you one more. First Peter chapter 1. This is, this is a passage to a group of people who are exiles, that are dispersed. These are people who are struggling, but, but, but they're wanting to be faithful to the gospel. Here's the command that they're given. Chapter 1 of verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action. Is that passive? It's not passive. Set your minds with your minds ready for action. Be sober-minded and set your hope on the great, completely on the grace brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So again, do we need any more convincing that the mind is where the, the work really has to be done? So now the question is this. How do you do it? How do you, how do you change the nature of the flesh? Not the nature of the flesh, but how do you change the activity of the flesh when there's this waging war going on when we know that what we want to do, we don't do, but what we, we don't want to do, we do. And yet we find ourselves in this seemingly hopeless place. We want to change our minds, but we know we have to set our minds to action. How do we do it? Philippians chapter 4 tells us. Did you all know that you're going to be moving this much today? I hope, hope so. By the way, there's a reason. And, and I... I There's a reason that you don't see all of these passages written on on the screen. Here's why. I want you to bring your Bibles when you come. I want you to open your Bibles and I want you to read it for yourselves. Because I want you to underline it. I want you to circle it. I want you to be able to go back to it. I want you to meditate on it. Because you have to go back to this stuff throughout the week if you're really going to let it settle in your heart. Sunday morning, 30 minutes is not enough to hold you for a week. It's just not enough. My goal on Sunday morning is to make you hungrier for more. My goal is to encourage you. My goal is to strengthen you. But it is not to feed you all that you need for the week. That's impossible. It would be like today, you going home, eating lunch, and then not eating again until next Sunday. Nobody would do that. We would starve to death. We'd probably lose some weight. But... It's not the way to go, right? So that's why I have you looking in your scriptures. So Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Here's the how. It's simple, but it's not easy. Here's the how. Finally, brothers and sisters. Now, when you see that word finally, what you should what you should see is this is the the magnus opus of this whole letter to the Philippian church. In other words, I wrote all of the other chapters to get to this point, this is kind of like the grand finale. This is a summation of all that you've heard and all that you've read. Finally, brothers and sisters, another way of saying that would be, listen up, sit at the edge of your seat, take notes, write this down, right? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on those things. That is the key to the renewing of your mind. There's a, a acronym in a computer world. So it's old. It goes like it's GIGO. G-I-G-O. You know what that means? Garbage in garbage out. What you feed will grow. What you feed will grow. This is not a, this is not up for debate. This is not a question. This is not a, Hey, the jury's still out. It is absolutely 100% true. What you feed is what you will grow. So when I say what you feed, what you plant is part of feeding. So what you plant is what you feed and what you feed is what will grow. Now let me just give you some earthly examples of that. If you go out in your backyard and you plow up a piece of, 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 of your backyard and you, um, you put seeds in, and then you water it and you give it some miracle grow, what is going to grow out of the ground? Whatever seed you planted, right? If you planted an apple tree, you're not going to get an orange tree. It will never happen. It doesn't work that way. And I, I know that I'm probably, you know, you're not going to get an apple tree right away. But the truth is, If it's it's grapes, if it's squash, if it's pumpkin, whatever. Whatever seed you put in the ground is exactly what's going to come out. Why? Because there's a principle that God created. is the principle of sowing and reaping. What you sow is what you reap. Now here's where this applies to the mind. What you and I put in our mind will determine what our flesh will do. Why? Because the flesh does what the mind tells it to do. All sin begins in the mind. Or all sin is is formulated and carried out first in the mind and then in the body. You don't ever go, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Well, actually you did because you thought about it in your head. You're, you're a human and that's the way things work. You process it first and you process it and then you choose to believe what you process. Believe one way or the other and then you carry it out in the flesh, right? So the way that you control the flesh, the way that the, the flesh is under the subjection of the gospel is to have a mind that is controlled by the spirit. Now, listen to the way it's put, though, in Romans 8. You have two options. You can have a mind controlled by the flesh or mind controlled by the spirit. Here's the problem with a mind controlled by the flesh. The mind controlled by the, by the flesh is that the flesh is doing what the mind tells it to do. Do you see the inherent problem here? It's a, it's a never-ending cycle. Because the flesh does what the mind tells it to do. But if the mind is only doing what the flesh wants it to do, it is not very long before you wind up in a very chaotic and broken place. We should not be surprised when we look out into the world. And I say the world. I'm saying just look out in culture and see the chaos and confusion. None of us should be surprised by that. We should go, I can't believe it's so crazy out there. Why, why would we be shocked at that? Because the world standard is, do what feels good. Do what you think. Here it is. You live, what am I going to say? Your truth. Right? Guess what? If you live your truth, and I live my truth, what if our truths are opposing? What if your truth says it's okay to kill somebody, and my truth says it's okay not to? I mean, that's an, that's an extreme example, but... Is there not something bigger than just what you want to believe? Is there not something bigger than just what you think is right? Isn't there a standard somewhere? Well, there is. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true. That's why, they, that's why the scripture starts here. Whatever is true. Truth is the foundation for everything in our life. It should be anyways. This is why there's such a battle for truth in our culture. By the way, just because somebody sincerely believes it does not make it true. Can I get a witness here? I can sincerely believe that I'm Batman and I will never be Batman. I can sincerely believe I will fly and I will never be able to fly. I'm talking like jumping off a building fly. It's not going to happen. Why? Because there's a truth in the law of physics that say if you jump off of a building without wings, you will die. That's a truth. And I can deny, I don't believe that truth. I choose to believe my truth. Okay, dummy, jump off a building. We'll see how true your truth is, right? I'm talking dummy to me. So here's the thing. Before we get too far, I want to go to the end of this verse because I want to show you what we're supposed to do with these things, right? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, and then it gives us eight eight different ideals, and here's what we do with those eight things. Dwell on these things. What does that mean? To dwell on these things means to immerse yourself in them. It means to marinate. I love that word. I know it's weird to talk about marinating in something. That's kind of freaky, honestly. You know, but if you, mar- why do you marinate stuff? You marinate stuff because you want the flavor of the marinade to be infused into what you have in it so that what you have in it will taste better and will taste like the flavor of the marinade. You and I should marinate, should dwell in the things that are on this list. Here's part of our problem we live in a non marination world, we live in a world. Where we want to stick it in the microwave, push, push popcorn, and in one and a half minutes. Do you know that popcorn used to only take used to take three and a half minutes? Now if you go three and a half minutes, it burns. How did that happen? Does anybody wonder that besides me? You can't even push popcorn anymore on the microwave because that button is outdated. Something happened inside the bag that it's it's much faster. Why? Because we want things faster. We don't want to dwell, we don't want to sit, we don't want to ponder, we don't want to think. We want to get it and go. We want to drive through. And between between the time we speak into the speaker and get to the window, we want our food. Right? Am I wrong? That's not the way that you become holy. It will never happen. If you're in a hurry, you will not be holy. If you want to just do it and do it now, you will not be sanctified the way God is sanctifying you. Because dwelling and waiting and listening and quiet and wrestling and struggling, all of those things are a part of how God refines us. I would say that you and I have a more difficult time than ever, any, any other um, time in history with this. Because we have 24-7 voices speaking to us in every possible direction or from every direction. We have the radio waves. We have the news media on TV. We have people yapping all over the place. We have people in our household. With that, We have everything, just constant infusion of noise. And the Bible says what? Be still and know. Just think about that a minute. Be still And you can know that I am God. We live in such a fast-paced microwave world. And we live in such a concrete jungle. That all the odds are stacked against us. Listen to me. If you want to be holy. And Jesus said, be holy because I am holy. It's not an option. It's a command. It is not an option to be holy. If If you want to... To have prayers that God hears, you must be holy. The prayers of a righteous man or woman are powerful and effective. The inverse of that or the converse of that is absolutely true as well. The prayers of an unrighteous man are not powerful and not effective. If you want your prayers to reach to the heavens, you got to be holy. Why? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with pure hands and a clean heart. Power comes from the holiness of a person. Why? Because it's the mind that is controlled by the spirit. Because it's the body that is tamed by a mind that is controlled by the spirit. See how all that works together? You want powerful prayers, but you don't want to put the time into being holy. You can't have one without the other. Can I get a witness? It's true. Now look, I'm not just, I'm not just pointing at you, I'm pointing at me too. This is This is the struggle that we face. So here's the thing. I, I was going back to this. We have such a difficult time with this because we live in a concrete jungle. What I mean by that is there used to be a time where everything wasn't figured out for us. There used to be a time where we couldn't get answers like that. There used to be a time where we had to pursue answers. We had to search for truth. Now our search is as as long as it takes for us to Google the question. We are shortchanging our own sanctification with that. Because sometimes truth is not found through Google. Truth is found when you step outside and there's no lights, there's no concrete, there's nothing but what God has made and what He has set forth since the creation of time. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. If you can't see the heavens, then you're missing the very beginning of knowing who God is. When our children don't have to want, I I, I was thinking about this earlier. It used to be that a child would go out and dig in the dirt and pull up a, a worm. And what do you do with a worm? You cut it into a bunch of pieces, right? You chop it into four pieces and then you look at it and you go, how's that possible? This thing should be dead and yet all four pieces are wiggling. How is it possible that this is still... And so you ponder it and you go, I'm going to try it again to see if it really... It, it, maybe this is just a fluke. And then all before long you got 1,800 pieces of worms and you're like, this is just incredible. And, and because you're seeing it and because you don't understand it, you then pursue the mystery of why that's the case. And eventually you find out that God built a worm... With a bunch of different chambers and a bunch of—I don't even know—all the, the different anatomy, so that it will design that way. Here's here's my philosophy on why a worm does that, because I think when a bird eats a worm, part of the worm gets to grow back, so the bird can eat it again. That's my that's my own thought. Think about it. God provides for the birds by making worms that reproduce themselves. See, that sounds good, doesn't it? Is that a no? You've never thought of it that way before? Come on, help me out. I just think that, okay, I mean, let me, it's my truth, okay? <laughs> that's, that's just my truth. I mean, and that's just an example. It's so the simple things that kids don't go out anymore and dig in the dirt and wonder why things are the way they are. They don't go out and they go, you know, last night and the night before and the night before, those stars were in the exact same shape. Kind of looks like a, like a spoon a weird spoon. Oh, there's a little spoon. Huh. They don't do that anymore. You want to know why? Because we live in a world where most kids, the, 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 and I say kids, listen, adults too. Let's not pick on kids. When we're done with work, we have about a 20-foot radius that we spend the rest of the day. That's from the couch to the kitchen to the bedroom. If you got a big house, make it 30 foot, right? When's the last time you sat on the porch looking at the stars? When's the last time you took a drive out to the beach and just sat there and just was amazed at all that God had built? Whatever is pure, whatever is love, whatever, dwell on these things. So let's look at these real quick. Whatever is true. The foundation of belief has got to be truth. If you are believing something that is not true or That is only half true. By the way, half true is not true. Half true is half true. And don't you know how deceitful the enemy is? That he likes to have just enough truth to make it palatable. But enough untruth to move you away from Jesus. Just because somebody says Jesus doesn't mean it's gospel centered. Just because somebody says God doesn't mean it's true. Most religions in the world have God. Many of them have a belief about Jesus. The real question is, what have you done with Jesus? If you go into many different faiths, Jesus is a good man. He's a a good prophet. He's he's a way to the Father. All of those things are half-truths, which will lead you away from the gospel. By the way, I want to say to you, That you and I have got to be particularly careful about what we believe as truth. And we have got to poke it and prod it and test it. Because if we don't, we're going to let belief slip into our heart that's going to lead us away from God, not towards him. The way that we test it is with the standard of truth, God's word. You say, Jeff, that's oversimplifying. But isn't that what the scripture says? And here's the thing, you either have to choose to believe the scripture or not. But be careful that you're only going to believe part of it. One of my little pet peeves is is all the people on Facebook who who quote God's promises as if they're promises to everyone in the world. They're not. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, Actually, you need to read the rest of it. That is conditional. All of the blessings of the Scripture, we put it out there as if God wants to do these things for every human on earth. Yes, He does, but not when you can do whatever you want and then claim the promise when it's convenient. Am I preaching to anybody but me today? Amen. Listen, these things are conditional. The promises are for those who trust in Christ, not for those who trust in whatever and then just want to claim the promise. It doesn't work that way. That would be that would be like me telling my kids, listen, kids, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to take you um, on a ski trip for Christmas because you're my kids and I love you. And so I want you to come and um, uh, be here at such and such a time. We're going to go on a trip. Then my kids going out and go, hey, dad's taking us on a ski trip. Come on, let's go. I'm like, "Whoa, time out. I didn't make that promise to them. I told them to my kids. You belong to me, we're in a relationship, that's why I'm taking you. I can't afford to take everybody else. It's the same way with the scripture. You can't take it out of context. You can't just use it when you want it and then ignore it when you don't. It doesn't work that way. Amen? It doesn't work that way. So true, whatever is honorable, that, that, that word would mean whatever is worthy of worship. Whatever is whatever is something that is that is uh, respectable. The next one is whatever is just or that word just could be right or righteous Whatever is pure, that's whatever is holy. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is commendable, that is something that is honorable, something that is um, um, worthy of uh, worthy of knowing or worthy of doing. If there's any moral excellence or anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. All right. So let's get to the let's get to the practical, okay? And then we're done. So the practical is this. If our minds control our flesh, and if our minds are controlled by either the Spirit or the flesh, then what we put into our minds will determine whether or not we're controlled by the Spirit or the flesh. What we feed our minds is what will come out of our minds to determine what the flesh does. And therefore, what we feed our minds should be what is true, honorable, just, pure, pure, lovely, commendable. What we feed our minds comes through uh, comes to us through multiple inputs. One, through media. We live in a media-driven world. You and I see things every day and we do like this. It's what's on TV. It's what's on our computer screens. It's all of those inputs. I can't even name how many they are. What you view as media will determine how you think and will feed what your, what your flesh does. 100%. Now, I'm not going to say to you that you can 100% keep all of the unpure things out. You can't. It's impossible. You say, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. You don't live on an island by yourself in the middle of nowhere. And even if you did, somebody's going to fly a plane with a message on a banner behind it at some point, Right? It is impossible if you live in this day and age to be totally pure about what goes into your mind. The difference is what you do with what goes in. And do you dwell on it or do you put it in its place and set it where it needs to go? So in that conversation I will also say that that is a distinction between whether you are doing whether you are viewing something for amusement or whether you are viewing something with discernment. It's a very key. Amusement means that you are just amusing yourself. You're, you're just sitting back, you know, throwing popcorn down. And, and you're not filtering it at all. She's like, oh, okay, great, yeah. And, and you're actually buying into it, right? Looking at it, though, with discernment is going, wait a minute. Something's off here. Something's wrong here. Shannon and I watched a movie last night. Where is she? Right over here. And it was, it was into it just a little bit, and we're like, eh, we got to turn it. So we changed it. And, and it, was, it was like, it wasn't this horrible title. It was rated R, but it, I mean, what movie is not, right? And some, some movies are, are worse than others. And so we decided, hey, we're not going to watch it because it, it's, got, it's got too many F-bombs in it. Within the first five minutes, it, you know, how do you, what do you do? Well, you discern, I should let this in or I need to cut it out. That discernment is what is important. If you are just amused by it, then you need to be very careful because that is where it's going to go past your brain and into your flesh. So you've got movies, you've got all things digital, but then you got social, right? Social is even more tricky because it used to be the first thing a person would do when they woke up 100 years ago. First thing you do when you wake up is what? Go to the bathroom. 100 years ago, guaranteed, that was the first, first step. Today, first thing you do, look at your social media. Check your calendar, whatever, right? You may have to pee so bad you can't even stand it, but you'll look at your phone on the way to the bathroom. I don't know if I just said that, but I think I did. But is it true? Come on, anybody? Come on, be honest. You're, you're, you're checking who liked your likes on your way to the toilet, right? I'm just saying this is the reality we live in. It is, right? Why? Because our brains have shifted to where we are utterly dependent upon these things. So if you want to be different, if you want to be holy, you have got to capture those things and subject them to a mind controlled by the Spirit. I did not just say it's wrong to look at Facebook when you first wake up. That's not what I just said. What I did say, though, is that we have to be very careful because there is somewhere in there a line that we can cross to where it's doing more harm than it is good. By the way, there is a, a um, what's it called, a... Um, movement across our country right now and and I think it's called wait till eight and the idea is parents are saying we are going to join together as a group of parents across this nation and we are not going to give our kids a social media device until after the eighth grade here's why a five year old who grows up knowing this the whole time is a five year old who's going to have a really really hard time putting it down later on in life right just look at us. We didn't get them until we were 40 or whatever, 30, right? I mean, my cell phone, I had to pull it out. went like this. Hello, time out. You had to pull the antenna, right? It was in a bag. Where did mine go? Oh, mine's on the mine's on the chair. Now, your whole life is right here. By the way, everything in that phone is what you put in it. All the apps are what you downloaded. All the information is what you inputted you get out of it what you put into it same thing here so our our input with movies and entertainment our input with social and then we've got to really consider the input that comes from relationships man a toxic relationship will rub off on you in a negative way a negative person is going to make you negative if you hang around it all the time am i right i've had to cut relationships because they just i found myself being in a, like a bad mood after I talk, I'm like that you're the problem. I mean, I hate to blame you, but you are. You're just negative Nancy or negative Ned. Not if your name's Nancy, you're not necessarily negative. Here, here, here's here's one. Your worship, your worship, is how you input these things into your heart. What we're doing right now, I hope, is causing you to go. You know what? I want to be holy because God says be holy. I've struggled with this and. I think that what I need to do is I need to start, I need to start being more careful in these areas. But see, this the sermon is not where this starts. This whole, this whole input pure and holy and lovely thing, it starts before you even walk in the doors. We had two guys at the doors today going, hey, I'm glad you're here, welcome. That was an important thing because you just had somebody encourage you and tell you they're glad that you're here. And then as you walk through and you get a cup of coffee, the people doing the, the barista stuff, right? They're encouraging you, and they just gave you coffee. So how, how could you not love them, right? Then you walk into here, and you hear music, and the music is holy. And then Colton leads us in worship, and here's what I was doing sitting over here. I was listening to you sing. I, was, I, was, I stopped my singing, and I, and I literally leaned to the right, and I go, ooh, that's beautiful. Because what were we singing? My hope is built on nothing less. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And my soul was going, yes, this is good. Christ alone, cornerstone. And when that came to that, y'all sang a little bit louder. And then I was just listening to the music and I was hearing the bass going, bo, and I was feeling it, right? And I was thinking to myself, man, this is so good. I feel like I'm in heaven right now. Then I looked around, nope, not in heaven, but it's still feeling really, really good. Worship is not just a preview, it's just to kind of get you loosened up for the message. That's not what it's about. Worship is so we can sing these songs together to God and to each other. The Bible says, encourage each other with psalms and songs. That's what it's all about. And the power of music behind it. Man, That you, the, 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 the whole... Listen, worship is only as sweet as you choose to make it. Because you are the worship leaders, not the band. You're not the audience. God is the audience. Although I will say that even though God is the audience, the people in the in the choir, when it sounds good and when you're hearing each other, man it just melts it all together and you go, "You know what? This is just a glimpse of what eternity must be like." So I want to I want to close. <laughs> you're like, "Yay! I want to close with this." Only you can control what goes between your ears. Only you It's not my job to give you a a list of you can watch this and you can't watch that. You get four cuss words in in 30 seconds and then you got to turn it off. I'm not going to do that for you. Because listen, there are times I will endure a movie that is foul. Listen to me. Because I'm watching it with spiritual eyes trying to discover why people are doing what they're doing. Because if you don't believe that media influences people, you're not awake. In 1999, Woodstock was remade in New York. There There was a turning point in Woodstock. It became an absolute disaster. The whole place was set on fire. The rage was out of control by the third day. But here's what happened. The organizers of the event... Wanted Woodstock to make money and so they hired bands. This is in the late 90s. They hired bands that were popular, but they didn't think through who they hired. And all of their main bands were full of rage in their music. It's true. And the thing that sparked the rage in the crowd was a group by the name of Limp Biscuit. Y'all remember him or them? Listen, if you listen to Limp Biscuit, what you have is this anger and pure rage that when he was singing on the stage, you could see it filter through the crowd and they absolutely went crazy. They, he was feeding their flesh and they bought into it and destroyed the place. Millions of dollars of damage. Why is that important? Because that's what you and I do every single day when we don't guard what we put into our hearts and in our heads. That's why it's important. You want to be angry? Listen to angry stuff. You'll be angry. You want to be holy? Listen to holy stuff. That's the way it works. We you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for being here today. Thank you for your patience. I want to ask you just a few things. One, if you received Christ a little bit earlier I want to invite you to just make that public in a moment when we when we sing. You have a chance to. I want you to come and just say to me, Jeff, I've trusted Christ. And and, and if you're not comfortable coming up in front of a crowd on on the card that you have on the seat, there's a place you can just mark that. Will you let me know? This morning, if you are wrestling with holiness and with with what you let into your heart and your head. Would you just take a moment through this next song and commit to God? God, I will do a better job. Help me do a better job at guarding my mind to input only things that are holy. And as we sing, if God has spoken to you about anything else, would you simply obey Him and do what He says to do? Let's stand together. Let's sing.